0: Leadership it's about influence right if you look around you you're you're trying all these things and no one is following you you're you're probably not leading
1: If you work for the Catholic Church and want to avoid burnout, overcome team dysfunctions and put more souls in the pews, we're here to help. I'm Taihua here with my co-host John Cons and we're providing leadership development for Catholic ministry professionals. Over these past few weeks, we've been covering topics in that second pillar of the Catholic Ministry Professionals Framework, doing better work. Today we move into the third and final pillar of the framework, becoming a better leader. In the next few episodes, we'll Cover some key elements of growing as a leader, including intentional growth in holiness, leadership development tools, and intentional skills building. Today we're answering the question, how do I lead people? Hey, John? Ty, it's good to see you. so good.
0: <laughs> I, I love doing this with you, man it It's been fun to kind of build out this this framework, um this ministry and to be able to do that with a, a close friend and somebody that I really respect and has just been a champion alongside me
1: in the faith. This is just this is great. Yeah, this is fun. I um I will say that I have been using the line I'm doing a new thing a lot in all <laughs> areas of my life. So does it does it work on people? I don't really know, but it makes me
0: feel good. <laughs> it's kind of it's kind of a rallying cry and and it it I will say that came out unexpectedly in the course of of doing this podcast that wasn't necessarily I mean it was it, it made the point it was a scripture that really felt like it resonated with what we're doing but it it kind of just became this rallying cry that yeah this this really applies to the the content that we're trying to put out there this idea that the Lord is doing something new here
1: and we are a part of that new work. So I I love that. Yeah, it honestly has given me newfound trust in the Lord and just relying on Him to do the work in my life and trusting in Him. I'm doing a new thing, and I just say, Lord, I trust you.
0: Oh, amen, amen, amen. That's yeah. so good.
1: Well, that's awesome. Well, we're going
0: to dive in right, right away here, keeping that, that, that good vibe, that solid energy that you're bringing in here. We're doing a new thing. We're stepping into a new pillar. I love so it so much. We've talked about having better conversations. We've talked about doing better work. Now we dive into really just becoming a better leader. And what you will find is if you've been following along, doing the action steps, trying to start a new thing, begin a new thing in your work, you are becoming a better leader already. And I'm, I'm sure you're experiencing that as well. So this this pillar, this third pillar, becoming a better leader, it's all about intentional development. It's It's this bias towards personal growth. And as we step into it, we're really going to tease out the difference, and it's going to be important for this episode. We're setting up kind of the difference between managing people versus leading them. And you'll see how you can lead even if you're not in charge. So the general principle we're working with here is that leadership, it's about influence, right? If you look around you, you're, you're trying all these things and no one is following you, you're, you're probably not leading, right? And, and just, to, just because you're in front of people, it doesn't mean they're following you. Right, captive audiences are not necessarily followers. So this understanding that we that we are trying to build influence in the ways that we can, so that we can lead, even if we're not in charge. And so that's why it's going to be important to look at the difference between leadership and management. Right, the people that are choosing to follow you versus the people that are stuck with you. If that makes sense. <laughs> so um, I I did just a real quick. Um, you know, I, I you can look in any number of directions to find definitions of management versus leadership. Those are kind of hot button topics. And when I was getting my MBA, they really were leaning hard into leadership versus management. What's the difference? Well, management, it, it consists of controlling a group or a set of entities, right? It's it's ordering them in a way to accomplish a goal. That's management. And that might sound a lot like leadership. And I would say there's a lot of overlap, but you, do, you kind of set that difference between management and leadership that leadership refers to an individual's ability to influence, to motivate, and enable others to contribute toward organizational success. And in the church, you really need both. So it's, it's not even to say that one is more important than the other. They both are needed, and they're both needed in different capacities. And so as we look at some of the differences, and we've, we've identified five key themes that you can actually look at and even begin to assess yourself and see if you are in fact leading, but also you can intentionally build these themes into the work you're already doing, and for the most part, they're not gonna cost any money to do that. It might cost you a little time, it might cost you a little effort, it might even cost you that just that effort to grow and to learn some new ways of doing things. But let's dive in, let's look at some of these, these five themes and how they differentiate managers versus a leader. So the first one is that a manager gives direction, whereas a leader asks questions. Right. so you look at giving directions versus asking questions. and You might say in any given parish, hey, we've got this problem. I, I think one thing that's going on in a lot of parishes, they're merging, right? They're shutting down one parish. They're maybe merging two parishes together. They might even be coming up with these, these groupings of parishes that are all going to have to figure out how to work together. So... A pastor might come in and say, hey, I've done all the groundwork. I know exactly what we're going to do. This is what we're going to do. That's a management position. It says, hey, we're going to fire half of you, or hey, you're all just going to have to reapply for all the jobs. I've decided there's going to be these five positions, yada, yada, yada. He's just got it all laid out. On the other side, you might ask questions, right? You might walk into each individual parish. You might say, hey, we're merging these parishes. How do you see us building this well? And you're still going to have to guide that conversation. At the end of the day, you may still have to say no, but you are guiding a process of building something together, right? You're empowering them to be a part of accomplishing that end. So if, if I'm being given direction, right, you may be telling me what to do, but you might not have any buy-in from me. And that's just pure authority, right? This is giving direction. is just saying, I have the authority to do this versus a leader asking questions, it says, I want you to be a part of the solution, and if I'm part of the solution, then I want to make it happen. It gets that buy-in from me, and it motivates action. So you see this, this kind of difference here. Do you feel like that made sense, Ty? Am I just...
1: Yeah, I mean, there's, there's definite examples that you, we could give You know, um, outside of the church, I think that would help. Um, It's just you don't really have a lot of good examples within the church from my experience of, you know, the different clusters that are formed because we're shutting down this parish and we're combining a couple. So maybe a a really good example that I can give outside of the church Mm -hmm. is when mergers happen or hey somebody quit and another person has to take over the role. Well, instead of just dictating, hey, Ethel, you have to do this, this, and this because Betty left. Right? Now you go in there to say, Hey, with the the loss of Betty, here's a couple of things that I'm doing. Here's a couple of things that Susie is doing. You know, it would be helpful if you could do this. Do you have time in your day to do this? Do you have things that maybe you shouldn't do that you've helped other people with in your role, that maybe you can put that back on their plate to help out with the entire company or, and maybe that that's a really rudimentary example, but instead of telling Ethel that she's going to be doing it, maybe it's now that we're exemplifying in what we do and how we do it to show that Ethel, Hey, we need your help. And can you do it? Can you follow me into this new insert, whatever you're doing there? Right. Mm -hmm. So maybe that's a a good way of, of putting it. Um, Yeah. I just, I don't have a really good example of, of leadership in the church. I know that sounds bad. I don't mean anything bad about it with all of the priests (laughs) and all of the DREs that I know. So please forgive me.
0: Well, and I will say um, for my part, I, I do think that there's, there's a tendency a lot of times for pastors, because they have so much responsibility, like whether they make the decision or not, the decision falls back on them. So there has to be a high level of trust if they're going to move from managing you to leading you. And, and I would say maybe that's a part, maybe a good direction to take that theme is the idea that you maybe you get hired and that first year they, they really are giving you a lot of direction. This is the position. But over that course of that year, you've been really intentional having those crucial conversations. You've been really intentional discerning what God is doing and calling you to do and communicating that vision, casting that vision for people around you so that by the end of that first year, your pastor is saying, well, you're really ready. And now they can step into more of a leadership, which which says back and says, how do you see your position evolving? How do you see this position growing? And so they're able to go from giving specific direction to asking the questions, where do we go from here? And, and I see that sometimes happen in the parish well, and, and it can happen. So, it, you know, and that comes again with time. It comes with that investment in the people and growing that relationship.
1: Yeah, what I've noticed too is the difference between a manager and a leader in respect to the giving of directions and the asking of questions. When you just strictly give directions, it usually comes from somebody else right? Somebody above you who tells you, here's the objectives that I want done, go get it done. And a manager will take those words, put it into their own type of lingo or you know, whatever, however they typically would say it. And they just spew it back out where a leader is going to say, that's what you want done, but I have questions. I need to see the vision so that I can do my you know have my brave heart moment and rally the troops and give an an inspiring speech that gets them to follow me into battle versus i'm just going to tell you to go that way and you don't ask me one question uh you don't challenge my authority or anything a good leader will have people that will say wait a second have you thought about this what are we going to do about that and if you can't inspire the real reason of why we're doing it, just like we talk about. Tell them where we're going and tell them why. Mm. Lead them by telling them about the reasons we want to go in that direction. Because if you just tell them to just start marching, I can guarantee you, I'd, I, I know a lot of people, but I don't know anyone that is like Abram, following God into an unknown land without asking questions right i don't know one person that'll do that but if i tell them here's why we're doing it and i really need your help if you have questions please ask them but this is what i am going to be doing and i need your help most people generally will help you or they'll say i don't understand can you help me out and that's what a leader does. It, it helps to know why you're going and where you're going to be able to get people to follow you. And that's a really good segue into the next uh, principle. Is that what we're calling? The theme. theme. Theme, yeah. yeah theme. Go for it. Okay, dude. Yeah. Yeah, well, you go, go ahead and segue. That, segue it. I'm a segue so hard. <laughs> um, it's, a, it's the difference between having subordinates and having followers. You know, with subordinates, you know, are you working under your pastor? You know, your pastor. Uh, pastors ask yourself this, are they working under me or are they following me? Whereas with followers, you know, are you following him as a, a shepherd of your parish? Uh, again, it's that captive audience. Just because you have people listening to you doesn't mean they're following you. Am I just in front of this group or am I leading them? Right? It, if it's dis- discerned from the heart, they are going to trust in you, they, they will follow you because they know that your heart, your intentions are true, and they are following the will of the God of, of our God. Mm-hmm. So I mean it, what it really boils down to, John, it's that trust in your leader or your pastor or your DRE or heck, even your catechist right your catechists mm-hmm. have to have that trust with whoever they're teaching right if you're an RCIA leader a marriage prep leader that trust goes a long way even if you don't fully understand the messaging and how to get it across if they trust you they're going to follow you and and we're going to see again and again and again
0: this is all related to building real relationships with real people and that that's what leaders do so this asking questions, right, to back it up, One asking questions, if you genuinely care and believe in the people that are working under you, that are following you, you're going to ask questions of them to understand that more, right? And then that leads to them desiring to follow you because you've invested in them, not just as people who can get the things done, but as coworkers in the vineyard, Ooh. right? So yeah, those first two, excellent. Um, I The next theme, the third theme a manager tries to be a hero. A leader makes heroes. Right? And it and it often it often takes places in Parish. Or I see the the way that I see it often take places in Parish, if they're managing their people, they tend to divide and conquer. So that even if they're meeting as a team, what often happens afterwards is father then meets up with the individuals to have his little pet projects with them that that he's just gonna work with them on. Which in some cases is necessary and sometimes it's important, but a lot of times it ends up no matter what was decided in the meeting, now we're going to have another meeting, an addendum to the meeting to make further decisions that then aren't part of the whole conversation. So other people are left out of the loop not knowing how these pieces fit together. And it's a way that you, you try to keep your, your fingers you know, on all the little moving parts and it, and it is kind of a micromanaging thing, but it is a managing activity versus a leader who who makes heroes they're building the team they're they're building communion and they're more intentional they're having more productive meetings more often so that they can do exactly what that definition said above which is try to influence and motivate and enable the others to contribute towards organizational success so that the pastor himself doesn't need to be the leader the or whoever's in charge doesn't need to be the leader, but is instead allowing everyone else to become those, those leaders, those heroes in the context of what we are doing following the mission of, of Christ, allowing us to step into those in a heroic capacity to lead change,
1: to lead people towards Christ. Yeah, a secular example of this would be, I've got a mentor that talks about when he hires managers, he's hiring somebody to be able to give him time. Mm. Because time is such a uh, a valuable resource to him. If he has to be in every meeting, make every decision, he won't get anything done. He literally cannot run a, a his company if he has to make all of the decisions. So that's why he is making more heroes or leaders in the company. Because what he wants to do is free up time for him to do more of the higher level stuff of leading a company and deciding where we want to be in three years, five years, 10 years mm-hmm. versus who do we, who do we hire to do this, you know, service for our company? Well, does it matter? Well, it's going to save us, you know, a hundred dollars a week. Mind you, we're a couple hundred million dollar company like that. That, that doesn't matter for us, mm-hmm. but for you to waste my hours time, you literally just wasted thousands of dollars for the company. Sure. Well, at- this is what Jesus did too,
0: right? Could could Jesus have appeared to everybody at all times? Yeah, yeah, he's God. He can kind of do what he wants. But he chose to make faithful heroes out of 12 dudes who then went on and, and they scaled the church to the world, not because they personally were able to be with every individual, but they taught someone else to do the thing. They brought them in and then they empowered, they enabled them, they you know, laid hands on and, and ordained them so that they could go out and do that ministry on their behalf, on behalf of Jesus Christ. That is the vision. It's not that they needed to keep everything so small that they could all, like, lay hands on every individual person. They realized, no, this is bigger and beyond us. We need to pass some of this off. And and you run into this in parishes, too, where everyone thinks they should have unfettered access to the pastor, Or sometimes even the pastor thinks, I need to onboard everybody into the parish. Well, if you've got 800 families, that's a lot of people to try and have a personal relationship with. So then you're actually having a really shallow relationship instead of discipling people, bringing them in, bringing them up and enabling them to be leaders in the parish so that they can help you with that task. They can create freedom for the pastor to do the things that only he can do, celebrate the sacraments, anointing the sick. All of those things that, that he's uniquely gifted, uniquely graced to be able to do, he now has more time to do those. And so I, that, that fits right in with what's going on in parishes. Uh, the ne- this next theme, a manager reacts to change and a leader creates change, right? So one thing that I feel like every single parish I've ever been in, at some point people come up to me and they say, oh, our youth, all our youth are going to Young Life. What are we gonna do, right? And what are we gonna do? What if we're if we're just managing people? Well, we're gonna complain about it. We're gonna rail against it. We're gonna go out there and we're gonna go to that next confirmation class and tell them you can't do that. You need to be here instead. They're just reacting to the change that's there, which is that the youth are unengaged. Now a leader looks at that and they're gonna create change based on that that change, right? So they're gonna learn from that. They might even say what is this ministry doing better than us, that our people want to go there instead? And then they might adopt that idea, or even, I think, because the Catholic Church, it stands on its own legs. Nothing compares to it. The treasure that's there, when you can unlock it for people. So they might even say, actually, we're going to start going to this ministry with our youth, so that we can be in it with them, and we can cross that first, first threshold of trust so that we can now build a relationship that, that allows them to access not just what this other ministry, this Young Life group is doing, but allows us to access the whole treasure of the Catholic Church alongside them. Because we weren't afraid to walk into things with them. We weren't afraid to go where they were. So that's, that's the difference between reacting to change and then creating change, allowing change to happen in a fruitful way.
1: But even in that example, it's a, we could still piggyback off of the one that's previous to, instead of making heroes or excuse me, instead of trying to be that hero of like, I'm going to save the youth from young life, dude, make more heroes that are going to help to create that change. You know, pull a young person aside. Like what, what is it about that? Can, can you help me put something together like that? Can we do it right here in our church? Can we bring more of the Young Life crew over here so that we can evangelize like that? What a great way to kind of piggyback two of the themes in one. Like if you're truly a leader, you're not flowing in, in or excuse me, you're not picking one theme or the other. You're flowing in between three or four or all of them in one scenario. I mean, it's such a, a great visual of the, the beauty of a leader versus a manager yeah absolutely and and they do there, there's overlap because these are
0: these are not things that exist in a silo. they are parts of an elements themes that live in the life of a person who is leading and so there, there's going to be a great overflow because it flows out of that person and who they are and who they are trying to be uh this last this final theme, this fifth theme um a manager exercises power whereas a leader develops influence. And we talked about leadership is all about influence. So again, the difference between a captive audience, right? Someone's just exercising their power over that audience and, and the people who are are just there versus someone who develops influence. And often, like, yes, you can develop influence by being an excellent orator and being in front of people, but mostly influence is built in conversation. If you're casting that vision, and people, it's going to resonate with people, and they're going to go, yes, that, I want that, help me get there, that's influence, they want to come alongside you to be a part of the thing you're doing, right, and so, Ty, you might, you probably do this all the time, or run into this regularly, where you have to, you have to gain that influence from people, especially if you've found out some new, you know, way that you're going to, revamp the way you guys are doing sales, you might say, hey, we're going to increase your take-home pay right? your, your compensatory pay by 10%, by 10 xing our sales. This is how we're going to do that. And that's a vision that they want to get behind because they're like, yeah, I want to increase my pay by 10%. And they'll be willing even to, to put up with maybe ways that your leadership style conflicts with their personality because they, they see the vision that you're sharing and they want to be a part of that. They want to achieve that. The the proof ends up being in the pudding and the desire to follow that influence. It it gains you influence.
1: Yeah, definitely tying their motivation into how you achieve your results for, you know, in my example, it's for the company. So for them to achieve their goals, it has to directly benefit the company and it has to be mutually beneficial. So, same deal with ministry. You can't just say, you're going to do this because my boss told me that I had to tell you. That's ineffective leadership. <laughs> that's, that's quite frankly, ineffective managership. Uh, now, if you do say, hey, here's where we're going. And I think you, with your skill set and time out, you have to know the motivating factors, right? Because some people aren't motivated by money. They're just not which for me is weird because I'm I'm of the mindset the more you sell the more money you make so if you're in sales you want to sell a lot if you don't you should go into customer service if their motivation is to sell more or hey I want to get in front of more people I want to travel more I want to change the world right I want to change the world because my product can do this okay well. Here's where the company can, can utilize that. Here's where our ministry can utilize that. Or that is going to benefit the ministry or the church, our parish, the company, whatever you say. Um, it has to be beneficial for both parties or else they're not going to go. What I will dub as lip service. Yep, I hear you. I understand. But then the minute you come back to them a week later, like, oh, I forgot to do that thing. Oh, yeah, I was going to change, but I didn't. So it has to be a, a, a there's got to be a factor that's beneficial for both parties or else you're just going to have ineffective um, followers. It just And nobody mm-hmm. wants that.
0: And we, we actually see this a lot in, in ministries where how, how much of the people who show up to, Our religious head program are there because if they don't, they won't get confirmed. This is exercising power. It's just saying, if you don't show up, you don't get confirmed. That's the authority we have over you. That's the power we get to exercise over you. We're not going to confirm you if you don't. Versus developing the influence, which should have started years ago in the way that we cultivated relationships with their parents that led to fruitful opportunities to have their parents engage their kids in the faith in real and lasting ways so that instead of saying if you don't come you don't get confirmed they say I desire to get confirmed because you have you have tapped into something deep within me right that motivating force something within me that knows i I know that I need God and I know this is a way to access his grace in a greater way and and so being able to tap into that motivating factor that that develops influence because it, it it connects deeply within them deeply within them in a way that elicits a response again influence over power so all of these um all of these leadership the themes like i said they have to do with cultivating real relationships real partnerships with real people so in other words you need to have those meaningful conversations you need to have better conversations that first pillar you also need to do better work because if if you want to gain influence with people to serve the kingdom you have to be the kind of teammate that people will work with in these capacities so these are the, those are those first two pillars and so of, of the Catholic ministry professional professionals framework easy for me to say uh, if so if you've been following along if you've been growing in in those two areas guess what you're you're already leading.
1: Look at you. I tied it together, didn't I? Yep. Nice little bow. No, I'm just saying to the, to the listener, you're already leading. Look at you. Oh, look at them. Yeah, look at <laughs>
0: I'm sorry, I thought it was all about me. No. No.
1: Well, John, I think it's time to do the devil's advocate. Thunder. All this talk about people following me, you know, me gaining my own influence. I just, I'm not, I'm not that person. It's too prideful for me. Mm -hmm.
0: Influence, very prideful to seek it, to desire it. Uh, What I want to throw out there, actually, as a response to this, is to think about the relationship between David and Jonathan in the Old Testament. David is anointed for some specific task, right? He's anointed to become the king. Jonathan is the heir to the current king. So by by all rights, you would think Jonathan would have the right to kind of push his authority over David and say, No, I'm I'm the king, I'm the rightful heir. Right. And but he sees David and he actually decides to follow him. So what happened there is that they they realized they were already running the same direction, right? That they, they were both both pursuing God, they were both righteous men. And as they were pursuing God, they looked to their side and they realized, oh, you too, you're right next to me. You're in this too? So Jonathan begins to follow David because he recognizes that David has this anointing. It's his calling. David's calling was to lead the people to the Lord so that they could follow the Lord together. This wasn't, it's not prideful for David to step into this role that he's called to. But what if David had said, yeah, I'm the king, but I will not lead because I'm not God. Or what if Jonathan, or, or even one of David's generals, doesn't have to be Jonathan, what if he said, you're the king, I'm going to follow you, but I won't lead people in your name because I am not you and I am not the king. To deny this leadership role, to, de- to refuse to step into this position of influence, would be directly rejecting their call. It would be rejecting God. And so if you are a Catholic ministry professional, you have been anointed for some task. Even in your baptism, you were anointed priest, prophet, and king. And now to another level as this professional in Catholic ministry. So you can't shy away from the task, right? It's not prideful to follow the Lord and bring people with you. Your entire task of leadership is is to say, look at him, look to Jesus, and then to do everything in your power to influence people to follow him. That's not pride, right? And that even ties in, again, Sherry Waddell's Forming Intentional Disciples. The first threshold to faith is trust. Trust is influence. It's not prideful. It's just a relationship. So when people say all this talk about following people or people following me, trying to gain influence, when they say that sounds prideful, what, what I believe and in my experience, they're often saying is, I'm afraid people won't follow me if I try to leave. So if this is you, if this is something that holds you back, have courage. Trust the Lord and the work that he is doing in you and through you. And remember what he says through the prophet Isaiah, this great calling card that we have. God is about to do a new thing, and now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? And will you not respond
1: to it with a yes? Follow his voice and lead. One other thing, if you think about it, Teresa, Saint Mother Teresa, she did not look for any type of influence on anybody, but yet people flocked to her. And what did she say? Go and find your own Calcutta. But still, she found that a lot of people wanted to follow in her footsteps. A lot of people wanted to do what she wanted to do. That's not prideful. It is prideful to create. That Calcutta for the recognition, like Mother Teresa had received. If you're just simply following the will of God and people are following you, or they just want to be in your midst. And like Jonathan, he actually said, and I I pulled up my notes from a talk that I used to give at confirmation retreats and stuff. A really good friend, like Jonathan, says, whatever you want me to do. I'll do it for you, right? That's in in 1 Samuel chapter 20. Whatever you want me to do, I'll do it for you. That's not lording over somebody to say, you better do this. No, they see in you what they want to do. And because of it, they are going to follow you or do whatever it is that you want them to do. And that could be, hey, I really need help with the youth. Can you help to spring new life into our youth ministry. It could be, hey, our RCIA program is just, it's not bringing people in to the point where they're on fire that three years later, they're still coming to mass, right? So that is, is essential to the, the whole prideful, you know, um, I'll say misconception of what we're trying to do in developing leaders. If you're thinking, yep, I, I just I don't want to be a leader because too many people will follow me then. Well, then you, you, you don't understand leadership. The church needs good leaders. And how do you do that? You follow the will of the Lord, and you just do it. And you don't listen to that little voice of the devil saying, yep, you're being prideful, you better not do that. That'll preach. That's all I got. (laughs) That'll preach.
0: (laughs) All right. Should we move on to some actionable steps? Let's do it. All right. This one is more of a mental rep. This is an opportunity to discern your work. And we'll throw it back to those five areas of um, leadership that we went through, those five themes. And so just to look at each of the areas of your ministry and just considered, right? Just to take to prayer, to really think about, am I giving direction or am I asking questions, right? Um, Ask yourself, do I have subordinates or do I have followers? Am I trying to be a hero or am I making heroes in my ministry? Am I reacting to the change that's around me or am I creating change, Am I simply exercising power over the people that are in my sphere of influence or am I actually developing influence? That's more lasting. So if you want to be a better leader, just take these five specific themes and and pray on them, discern them, and and you can begin building these into your ministries really without spending any money. It's just a difference of emphasis and a difference in leadership style that you can cultivate over time. And uh, I I believe if you take them to prayer, that that can be a really fruitful way for you to meet with the Lord and see what he is asking you to do in your day-to-day work. Well, thanks for listening to the Catholic Ministry Professionals podcast. If you found today's show helpful, please immediately text it to your pastor and a friend in Catholic ministry so that others can find out about the show and begin transforming their parish through their work. You can get in touch with us by going to catholicministryprofessionals.com Professionals.com and clicking on send a message. Those messages come right to our email. They help us to refine the content so that we can better serve
1: you. With that, we'll see you in the vineyard.